It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Monday, May 17th, 2021. On this day in 1996, President Bill Clinton signed Megan's Law. The legislation required law enforcement officials to release information to residents when a sex offender moves in to their neighborhood. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we're covering President Clinton's signing of Megan's Law. The amendment was named after New Jersey's seven-year-old Megan Kanka, who was killed in 1994. Unbeknownst to her parents, their neighbor was a twice-convicted sex offender. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. on May 17, 1996. President Clinton's secretary waved discreetly for Mr. and Mrs. Kanka to come into the Oval Office. The Kankas led their son and daughter forward and greeted the president. As they shook hands, Clinton pulled Meghan's dad, Richard, into a gentle hug. Next, he opened his arms to her mother, Maureen. Under any other circumstance, the family would have been excited to be there. But on that day, their grief was made real again. Their only consolation for losing their sweet little girl was that they might be able to spare others a similar loss. Laying on President Clinton's desk was a law they hoped would save lives. Megan could have been anyone's baby girl. The Kankas vowed to honor her memory by ensuring the safety of children everywhere. The president put his pen to the page and signed the amendment. The new legislation required law enforcement to make information available to the public regarding registered sex offenders. A previous version of the law only required sex criminals to register with local authorities. Now, their records could be made public. The law also required repeat offenders to serve a lifetime in prison. The president placed his pen back on the desk. He took a moment to acknowledge the rights of reformed offenders, but added that there was no greater right than that of a parent to raise their child in safety and love. He said, today, America circles the wagons around our children. Then he paused to remember Megan Kanka, who was murdered on July 29, 1994. That morning had been sunny in Megan's home of Hamilton Township in New Jersey. Though it was still too early for the mailman, seven-year-old Megan ran out to the post box as soon as she could. She'd been waiting for a letter from her pen pal for weeks and hoped today would be delivery day. 
Outside, the breeze felt too good to miss. The mailbox was empty, but Megan begged her mom to let her stay outside and play. Maureen smiled and asked Megan to stay out front, knowing she could check on her if she heard a cry. Megan bolted out the door to grab her bike. From inside, Maureen could hear her giggle. It was the sound of a safe, happy child feeling free. The Kantka's suburban neighborhood was the kind of community where you could leave your door open to wave at passing friends. The family didn't really know their new neighbors across the street, but everyone seemed to keep to themselves. 33-year-old Jesse Timendiquas was hosing down the boat in his driveway that morning. From atop her bike on her mother's lawn, Megan shouted hello to him and gawked at his big new toy, the Sensation. To her, Jesse was friendly and funny. He asked if she wanted to meet his new puppy. Unable to resist, Megan dropped her bike on her parents' lawn and ran across the street. Jesse led her into his house and shut the door behind her. Moments later, Maureen Kanka stepped outside to check on her daughter. As she called down the street, the mailman arrived and handed her an envelope with bumblebee stickers all over it. Megan's pen pal had finally responded. The following day, the Kankas learned their worst nightmare had become reality. Megan's body was discovered in an abandoned toy box in Mercer County Park, just down the road from their home. Coming up, we'll hear more about Jesse Temendiquas and the details of Megan's law. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Now back to the story. On May 17, 1996, President Bill Clinton signed into effect Megan's Law. The legislation required states to inform their residents when a sex offender moves into their neighborhood. Megan's Law was named after seven-year-old Megan Kanka, who was killed by her neighbor, Jesse Temendiquas. Jesse was a convicted sex offender. At the time, sex criminals were forced to register with local authorities, but did not have to make their records public. For that reason, no one in the Kanka's neighborhood knew Jesse was a registered sex offender two times over. In 1981, 20-year-old Jesse pleaded guilty to the attempted aggravated sexual assault of a five-year-old girl in New Jersey, a mere 40-minute drive from the site of Megan's murder. At the time, Jesse was issued a suspended sentence on the condition he undergo counseling. After failing to do so, law enforcement took him to the Middlesex Adult Correctional Center. He stayed for nine months. In 1982, not long after Jesse was released, he pleaded guilty again, this time to assaulting a seven-year-old girl. He was then locked up at the Adult Diagnostic and Treatment Center. He stayed there for six years. 
Over a decade later, he moved to Megan Kanka's street. His Hamilton roommates were also convicted sex offenders. After Megan's murder, he was sentenced to death by lethal injection in 1997. But 10 years later, New Jersey put an end to the death penalty, and thus, the state commuted his sentence to life in prison without the possibility of parole. His crimes led to the creation of Megan's Law. The protocols for processing sex offender disclosures vary state to state, but they usually include the criminal's name, photograph, residential address, and the offense for which he or she was convicted. While it's possible to read the criminal's record in the local newspaper or learn of their crimes in other ways, public databases are the most comprehensive source of the information. What Megan and her family experienced was and remains a genuine torment. But the Kankas are an inspiration. They did perhaps the only thing you can do when you encounter such a terrible loss. They transformed their pain into the power to protect other people's children. We may never know how many child victims have been spared because of Megan's law, but each crime it blocks is a tribute to the special little girl who shares its name. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 